You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 226, Finch. Hosted by Dan Terry. All right, bitch. And Joseph Wren. All night long, depending on who's asking. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think bite marks and blood stains are the signs of a well-designed doom arena, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Discography Discussion. My name is Dan, and with me tonight is Joe. How you doing tonight, Joe? Perfection through silence, indeed, my friend. Definitely some perfection through silence. That is absolutely true. I li- actually liked your joke that you made uh, before we went on air. That it was the uh, what was it, what was it the secret to uh, child uh, child having a child? The song "Perfection Through Silence." That's a metaphor for having children, right? <laughs> it's however you want to look at it, man. Well, tonight we are talking about Finch. Uh, Finch is a band that I've actually been listening to for a long time. If you can dig up old enough uh, pictures of End of Destiny practicing, I used to actually wear a Finch T-shirt whenever I was uh, whenever I was practicing or screaming my lungs out, or if you want to call that practicing. Uh, I did it a lot, and then I, I worked as a dishwasher at a local Ponderosa where I got a whole bunch of uh, bleach stains on it. And uh, it's weird with bleach stains what, what they look like whenever whenever you you know try to try to wash them out. It was the closest so thing that to tie dye Dan would ever wear. I didn't wear that shirt anymore after that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I've been I've been listening to Finch for uh, for quite a minute. Actually, I think it was uh, Isla from Die Lucky that got me into Finch. Uh, she, uh, her, and I had a very interesting uh, relationship as far as uh, music collecting and uh, CD possession and things like that. Well, uh, I ended up getting a burn copy of what it is to burn, and I think it was probably like three days later when I went to Best Buy and picked it up myself. Uh, and have not gone back. I've gone through that first record so many times that there were literally disc rot holes all over it and ended up having to buy it yet again last year. I still pop the first album in from time to time. I haven't really kept up with the band. Apparently that was a mistake because the last two albums were pretty good. But I remember Finch being an example of we can be more extreme, but not hardcore metalcore extreme you could hear the tendencies of the day the transitionary decisions in metal vocals and screaming but then still having a little bit of an old school emo whine but you weren't paying attention to that because the drums just sounded so intense and the guitars were so intense and the riffs we're going to talk about that first album very shortly My point being that this was a band you could play for your friends that wasn't quite emo when emo was fucking annoying. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I want to say I would have considered them to be, I used to call them a pop punk band with screaming uh, because that first record definitely has a lot of that kind of pop punk song structure to it. Uh, But then you had these really angry glass jaw style vocals. Uh, and on what it is to burn uh, the album, there actually are vocals that are provided by Daryl of Glassjaw. <laughs> so uh, that kind of completes the picture. Before we get into all that, though, I would like to read a couple of comments from some previous episodes. Uh, I'm going to pull these actually from... First, I'm going to start with Facebook. Uh, just the this last week, as of the recording of this episode, uh, we posted our interview with David Lipke, the filmmaker extraordinaire 
who made basically from the ground up over the course of like six or seven years the Living Sacrifice, 30 Years of Sacrifice DVD. Okay, I shouldn't call it a DVD. Let's just call it a documentary. Calling it a DVD is something of a hot topic uh, for some people right now. Hasn't it been released yet, or is it still digital only? Uh, it's not even digital only. Like, if you didn't, if you didn't watch it when it premiered, you didn't watch it. That's unfortunate. And he talks about those challenges during the discussion. Needless to say, if you're a fan of Living Sacrifice, you need to be on the bandwagon to have that documentary released so that you can purchase it and watch it because it is amazing. Talk about yeah. in-depth. Yeah, definitely. If you ever had any questions about Living Sacrifice, they were answered. Uh, in that documentary. And if you had more questions, then, you know, you could have those answered at the Q&A session uh, that was after it uh, that Joe and I were also honored to be a part of. And, uh, but yeah, underneath that, we got a comment uh, from Carlos. Uh, Carlos says, have you ever listened to Arion? Members from Opeth, Nightwish, Devin Townsend, Iron Maiden, Blind Guardian, and Dream Theater have been involved. It would be a great discography discussion. Uh, the simple answer is no. I have not checked that band out, but uh, definitely sounds compelling. Uh, if if those if those band members were truly uh, involved with a lot of it, so uh, yeah, I'll definitely be checking that out after this. I'm interested. Over on YouTube, uh, we got a uh, we got a comment from Mike Wright. Uh, he says uh, this is about Skindred. Uh, he says these guys are a lot more hard rock slash mainstream punk rock than new metal. I never checked them out until now, and I liked them much more than I thought I would. Same. Uh, also, POD are not posers. <laughs> they have been around since 1991, and they invented the style. Sorry, youngsters. <laughs> and uh, all I got to say is with as much gray hair as I have on top of my head and on my beard and everything, I'm actually really, really stoked to be called a youngster. Uh, it makes me, makes, me feel, makes me feel young, makes me feel spry. But, uh, but yeah, that was... Uh, I don't know about the POD thing, though. Um, I wouldn't say POD or posers, but I, if, if we're talking about who's more legit as far as that, like, reggae, new metal style, yeah, I'm not saying that POD or posers, but I'm saying that Skindred is a lot more legit than POD is in that uh, specific uh, genre. POD gets credit because they're the first rock band we all heard with Rock the Party Off the Hook merge those two styles together. But when it comes to reggae in general, I don't think anybody innovated the style that isn't playing straight reggae. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. I think that's that's probably a more accurate description. I just couldn't put my finger on it when we were doing the episode. I, I was like, what is this? What does this remind me of? But unfortunately, it just kept reminding me of Coheed and Cambria, which is <laughs> totally out of left field. But it's how I felt. Uh, we got a uh, comment on our interview with Derek Pardo and Chad Kent of Adam Ship. Uh, this was from Ryan. He says, I know this was a unique band situation from what I've read, but I feel like Derek doesn't give enough credit to Joey. If it wasn't for Joey and his performance, no one would know about Adam Ship since Derek didn't have the vocal ability to record the album. Derek also bashes Creed. Regardless of what you think about Scott Stapp, Creed were incredible musicians. I think it's in poor taste for Derek to bash his label mates. Creed, a band who sold like 30 million albums, when he didn't have the vocal talent to record his own songs. Derek is a world-class songwriter, but he needs to acknowledge the fact that Joey killed it on that album and made Adam Ship Adam Ship. Without Joey, Adam Ship is unknown is an unknown and cool local band that never did anything. 
Oh, that was a book. Okay, so a couple things. Uh, number one, thank you for watching the video and commenting on it. Thank you very much. Now that that's out of the way, uh, Ryan, are you a member of Creed or have you been involved in the Creed camp or something like that? I, it's just interesting hearing you talk about uh, their label mates, Creed. Wind Up Records doesn't even exist anymore. There is no label. There, there's no, there's no Creed anymore. I mean, I get what you're saying, um, but yeah, I just, I think it's okay for for Derek Pardo to have an opinion on Creed. Uh, the other thing too, as far as not giving Joey enough credit, um, he did actually give Joey more credit than I, to be honest with you, that I, that I thought that he would. Uh, but I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's because Derek didn't have the vocal ability to record the album as much as he just was, as we talked about in the interview, uh, he was just having some, some issues, mental issues. Uh, because I mean, I've heard Derek sing these songs and he sings them just as good as Joey does. So I'm not saying Joey is bad. I, lo I love the way Joey sounds and, you know, never want to speak ill of the dead or anything, but I think there was just a lot of a lot that went down between Joey and the band after the record came out that we're not privy to. So there's probably a lot more to that story uh, than maybe any of us are actually aware of. So I'm just going to leave that there. I will say for the album that is The Crash of 47, Joey deserves credit for his execution because he is one of the pieces of that puzzle, especially for me. And I've said it before, that is my favorite album of all time. I thought Derek was very respectful. He repeatedly said, I don't want to talk ill, but he also had a unique experience. Like you said, there's more to the story than what we're being told. And that's okay, because maybe that's trying to leave the past in the past. And that can be a good thing sometimes. 100%. I think, uh, I think, yeah, that's just one of those things. You just got to leave right where it's at. But uh, again, thanks for commenting and watching the video. We'll try to have more cool interviews like that to come. That was one I didn't even know if we were going to get. <laughs> I kind of just, I kind of just reached out on a limb, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, let's do it." And he wanted to do it right away. Fuck so. yeah! <laughs> and then Chad was like, "Yeah, I guess I'll come too. I already know those guys, so it's fine." <laughs> Is it time? It's almost time before Dan decides to set the stage for us versus them. I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google podcasts, TuneIn radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, twitch.tv forward slash discuss metal Dan for all your game streaming needs. So if you have an Amazon echo or a Google home, you have no excuse ask it to play the latest episode of the discography discussion podcast and it will we're also on facebook and on twitter at discuss metal be sure to like favorite and subscribe it really helps us out it lets us know you're listening and now dan is going to tell us all about five star reviews we do love five star reviews here on discography discussion it's interesting because i was actually uh i was actually looking at apple podcast the other day and somebody did leave us a review or they left us a rating but they didn't leave a review to go along with the rating if you do that, then I can't read it on the show. Thank you for giving us a five-star rating. I appreciate that. But uh, if you got something to say and you want us to read it on the show, let us know. And uh, if you have anything else to say to us, I will give you a huge rundown at the end of this episode explaining to you how you can do that. So, Dan, tell me about Finch. Finch is a self-proclaimed post-hardcore band. I don't know if it's self-proclaimed or not. I'm just throwing that on there. Uh, they call themselves post-hardcore and I would say um, 
that's the term post hardcore I've always struggled with because I'm not I, I'm not going to say I don't know what it means, uh, but I will say that uh, <laughs> like I know what post hardcore bands sound like, but it's uh, it's just I don't know, it's a different term for me, I guess. Uh, but I actually really, really like Finch. Finch uh, was introduced to me at a time where I was a little bit more impressionable musically. And uh, their debut album, What It Is to Burn, really, really hit me at a right at the right time. Uh, whenever I was starting to get into some of that more uh, screamy uh, type of stuff. 2002. God help us all. This album is so good. Oh my God. <laughs> I want to pick on it for the drums being fake or being triggered, but I can't. This is Dude, one of those all, records all that just totally blows away the listener. This album completely destroys your expectations. I'm expecting it to sound like insert name of hardcore band or metalcore band at that time, but sonically, it just sounds like a really well-produced rock record. Then the dude starts singing. It's interesting to me uh, because, like I said a little bit earlier, I, I would have described this as pop punk. At least it it would appeal to a pop punk fan. Like If you're into bands like Story of the Year, you're probably going to dig Finch, like especially on this record. And I think one of the cool parts of it is really is that they are just one of those bands that is able to they're able to add more elements into a sound that you already like, you know, because everybody wants, you know, that everybody wants those, those melodic, you know, driving riffs. You want kind of the you want kind of the subdued vocal that can go into like a higher pitch sort of thing. But what's interesting is unlike a lot of bands like this, Finch really isn't overly whiny. Um, their vocalist has a kind of a lower reg singing register to where he kind of comes off more sounding like a Brandon Boyd, you know, um, he's a little bit more hard rock, a little bit less, um, emo for less of, for lack of a better term. Uh, and that really translates well, because if you're somebody that's on the fence about that kind of music, you're going to dig a band like Finch because they're not giving you a vocal, a vocal delivery that annoys you <laughs> the whole time you're listening to it. And so that's what attracted me uh, initially. But then, oh my goodness, you get you get about four minutes into the first song, and you're like, uh, you're like, holy crap! Like, what just happened there at the end? They just came in and started screaming, like 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 glass jaw style screaming. And I know, I know, screaming's really not that big of a deal uh, for the enlightened. But back in 2002, there weren't a lot of pop punk bands that screamed that were popular. And so to hear kind of a little bit of that, like post hardcore, maybe even a little bit of hard actual hardcore in there, uh, it was refreshing. And um, you can definitely tell with the screams in particular, they 100% influenced are influenced by Glassjaw. I think even in the liner notes, they like thank Glassjaw for being like the greatest band to ever exist. So there you go. I appreciate all of the creative decisions that they made on this album. I don't know who to blame, the band or the producer, and I do not care. It has enough rock. It has the hardcore-influenced vocals. Then you get the little sound manipulations, almost like this was an overly produced radio band that came out two years prior when new metal was the shit. I feel and hear the leftovers of the new metal sound, but the band wasn't forced into that mindset or that soundscape 
It's like they had some really good rock songs and somebody just polished them enough. And I cannot tell you how badly I want this album to not work as well as it does because I don't think What It Is To Burn by Finch should be one of the most solid albums I've heard in my life. But it is. Start to finish, it doesn't fail. 100%. And and I think that like adding Daryl Palumbo on a couple of tracks, uh, Daryl's uh, on Gray Matter and he's on Project Mayhem. And let's talk. Let's take a minute to talk about Project Mayhem, which is probably the heaviest song on the record. These guys have like like you you had the song before that "Stay with Me," and like it's kind of a more standard, almost like light pop punk type song with the Finch sound that you're used to up to this point. And then Project Mayhem kicks in with these like super heavy guitars, double bass drumming. Daryl Palumbo from Glassjaw is here, and he's already going off. Like it's just, I mean. It's one of the craziest songs ever. And then Nate just cuts through all of it with this outrageously catchy chorus. And I'm like, how did you, how did they pull this together? Like, how are they this good playing this style? I mean, I know everybody, everybody has to start somewhere, but like, I feel like these guys, they, they were not held back by anything. And let's talk about the drumming for a second. This drummer is way better than he should be. In 2002, where you had to play the new metal beats. He sounds like an early influenced hardcore drummer, somebody who's trying to let go of the box. There was that time when every drummer was trying to be as frantic and as crazy as they could be, but they didn't really have the skill. It's about the time everybody started idolizing Travis Barker. This sounds like someone knows how to play a fucking beat, but isn't afraid to be a little more frantic because they know when to come back to it again. It works, and I cannot explain why it works so well. I don't know why. It's an anomaly because it's the type of record that I really should not like. Um, because I never, like, growing up, I didn't really listen to bands like The Used. Um, but I did listen to Thursday, and I did listen to, um, you know, obviously, you know, bands like Taking Back Sunday and stuff. Uh, bands that were a little bit heavier, a little bit more emo, but had had kind of more of that aggression. But I didn't really dig stuff like Good Charlotte, or I did actually dig Good, Good Charlotte for a while. <laughs> um, but I, everyone did. Uh, but I guess what I'm saying is I didn't really like the pop punk sound that much. And there's a lot more pop punk in here than I'm normally comfortable with. But the way these guys are able to just go for the throat uh, is is unique to me. This record is, again, it's an anomaly. It's I can't explain why I, I love songs like Ender and how, you know, the song eventually deteriorates into noise or perfection um, through silence. <laughs> yeah. Perfection through silence. That's a good one. Um, they're all great. Uh, Awake is one of my favorites. Uh, I like almost every track on this album. Uh, Project Mayhem and Grey Matter being my favorites, not just because Daryl's on them. Uh, New Beginners and Letters to You. I mean, the whole record is just it's completely listenable with no uh, with no like strange caveats that you have to visit you know as you're as you're making your journey through all of it you know there's no there's no weirdness that you're gonna have to get used to and uh that's gonna change but you know what you're gonna be fine with it 2005 say hello to sunshine hello sunshine are you ready for me to gush I've been ready for you to gush since we started this episode, and I'm surprised you didn't gush about the last album. Three, two, one. Let me give you a single and go. 
I'm going to start with uh, my final thought on this record first. This is an 11 out of 10 uh, for me. So all the stuff that I was talking about, about like, oh, I'm a little bit more into rock, a little bit less into like pop punk or emo or whatever. Uh, this record is more of like if you mixed post-hardcore with alternative rock, it's almost a better realization of what they were doing on the last record. And the key to this record for me is variety. Uh, dynamically, this is a very, very, very textured record that goes in a lot of different directions that I think music critics might even say does, they don't really work, but they're wrong. It works. Uh, at least it works for me. Um, I do think that Nate sounds more like Brandon Boyd on this record <laughs> than he did on the last one. He definitely does, uh, dude. <laughs> but, you know, go back and listen to the Incubus episode. We, we, we're Brandon Boyd fans. You know, uh, so Insomniatic Meat starts off and it's just like a whole bunch of weird noise. And then he's just come, you know, Nate comes in. It's like, oh, my God, I think I'm blind. And it's like it's a totally different vibe than what it is to burn. And uh, I can't get past it with all the screaming there. This is more this is infinitely more hardcore than what it is to burn was and infinitely less predictable overall. I mean, when you've been listening to this record as long as I have, like, sure, it's not really predictable anymore. It's not really unpredictable anymore. Uh, but I can remember a time where I had no idea where they were going to go. Um, Brother Bleed Brother is maybe my favorite song on this record, except for another one that I'm going to talk about here in a minute. Uh, it's hard to pick a favorite, but Brother, Ble Brother Bleed Brother and A Peace of Mind. A Peace of Mind, as far as I'm concerned, should have been the single off of this record. Uh, they went with Bite Marks and Bloodstains, I think, uh, which if you have a song called Bite Marks and Bloodstains, then sure, you probably want to release that as the single. But uh, A Peace of Mind is is probably one of the most commercially accessible ones. Um, Ink is amazing. Fireflies is amazing. Reduced to Teeth. A Man Alone is like a really fun, like upbeat rock song that seems totally out of place, but works because they would have started sounding more samey had they not kind of thrown this in here kind of a left kind of out of a left field sort of song the album is darker generally speaking maybe i've listened to the first album too much that when i listen to finch i'm expecting that style of production to kick through this one they let up on the sonic manipulations it's not so radio clean I can only explain the difference between the two as, do you remember the first time you heard Icarus after listening to The Bending? Yeah. Yeah, sort of. It just has that laid back sound that is trying to gently tell you that this is not the same record, but the band is still here. They're still heavy. Then the experience of the album kicks in and it's just not so positive sounding and i don't think what it is to burn is a generally positive record it's not but yeah. it's very unoffensive to the ears most of the time this one is setting you up for a bad feeling that's the best way i can explain it much like listening to coheed and cambria where it might sound cool at the beginning the premise is the star is about to explode people and we are not prepared so you just have to go through the emotion of the album and i would say this is the more hardcore sounding album of the three little less hinged and much more trying to make the listener uncomfortable and i think that i think that one of my favorite things about reviewing music is i like records that challenge me 
like as a reviewer because you know i know a lot of people accuse me of just listening to a record and giving it a thumbs up or a thumbs down uh but that's not really what my process is i will spend three or four listens to a record that i don't get trying to find out what what is good about it and and what the angle is you know uh, a similar record although way less commercially viable was uh, obscura by gore guts i know we're kind of switching genres here but um <laughs> but that's a record when i listen to i listen to it five six seven eight nine ten to twenty times before i got it and then once i actually got it i was like oh this is a great record but i totally get why people don't like it you know uh, and I kind of feel I kind of feel the same way about Finch because I do feel like as they got more experimental and they got more musically fun, in my opinion, they did that at the expense of commercial viability. And I think because I listen to this record, and I'm like, it's perfect. It's an 11 out of 10. Why didn't it go double platinum? Specifically for the reasons why I think it's good <laughs> is why it didn't because. It doesn't rely too much on poppy choruses. The kind of more pop punky sound that they had on what it is to burn is gone here. And people that are into like pop punky type stuff aren't really into like alternative rock that much. I know I'm making a huge generalization, so feel free to destroy me in the comments. But uh, I do think that like nobody really, I think everybody just wanted what it is to burn, you know, extra burnt part two, you know, and that's just not what they wanted to give us. They wanted to give us a kind of this more artsy, um, experimental type of record and um, I can't get I don't know I just can't get past how good it is and how well it plays normally I would roll my eyes at an album that is 14 tracks long usually I'm like really you couldn't have cut two or three of those you know get a get a nice good album length out of it but uh, this one I wouldn't skip a single song and uh, I have to take a special moment out to talk about the casket of Roderick Usher which oh, is shit. <laughs> Which is, uh, <laughs> I don't know what this is. I mean, in, in a general in, in a general sense, it is the Project Mayhem of this record, right? It's the song that comes totally out of left field that you're not expecting. And you get about 10 seconds into this song and you're like, oh my God, am I listening to Finch or am I listening to The Chariot? You know, they, they definitely give off that type of vibe. And uh, it's, it's probably the only Finch song. It's probably the heaviest Finch song uh, ever released. And uh, I don't even know how this one made the cut uh, other than they just wanted it and I wanted it too. I didn't know I wanted it, but then they gave it to me and I wanted it. There's no there's no discernible chorus. There's no discernible song structure. They just absolutely were like, you know what we like? We like crazy heavy stuff like Converge. So we're going to do that for a minute and 50 seconds. <laughs> and it works. It breaks up the record. It's Again, it's in a direction that you weren't expecting. And that's this album's biggest strength. And also its biggest weakness because it just didn't do very well commercially uh, because this band had a lot of buzz uh, before this came out. And then it came out and people just didn't get it. And uh, I want to say the band even broke up. If John were here, he could tell me a lot more as he's done interviews with those guys. But um, it, yeah, it absolutely just uh, that was it really for them. I mean, they put out um, they put out a couple of EPs um, self-released. Good luck. Self-released. Well, yeah, the, the first one falling into place, that was pre-What It Is to Burn. That one came out in 2001, so that's fine. But, uh, yeah, Finch and Epilogue, no. They just self-released by the band. And honestly, I kind of just thought that Finch was done. Um, even going into this episode, I was kind of like, Finch, did they put anything else out? I mean, I know about Say Hello to Sunshine. I mean, that thing's just amazing. 
Um, but I kind of just lost track of the band. And whenever it was suggested that we do an episode on them, I was like, okay, um, they only have two records, though. And that's whenever you were like, no, they have three records. Uh, and I was like, no, 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 no. The live version of what it is to burn doesn't count. Um, it absolutely does count. It, you absolutely it does should in the watch context it. of this band. <laughs> yes, it's it's amazing. I have the DVD. I love it. Anyway, um, back to Oblivion is, well. In theory, it came out in 2014. And with the exception of an acoustic album that they self-released a year later, this is it. And it's a little bit poppier, I think. I feel like this is the album they could have released back in 2005, and the radio would have picked it up in a second. 2014, it feels a little out of place to me. I agree that it has a little bit more of a lighter sound. Uh, it's certainly not gonna. It's certainly not gonna throw you into the floor like "Say Hello to Sunshine." Uh, but at the same time, there were aspects of Finch that I did like that I didn't think were necessarily as present uh, on Say Hello to Sunshine. A little bit more of their melodic um, kind of sad boy type songs uh, are largely absent from Say Hello to Sunshine. But, but you had a lot of that on what it is to burn. So we're kind of getting the other half of the coin here. And I have to give the band credit that this many years later, I mean, nine years later, that they sound as consistently like Finch as they do. Um, Nate's voice sounds almost the same. And I, usually what happens with bands like this when they come back after this many years, uh, the vocalist sounds different. You know, everything sounds different. Uh, but this is actually really, really solid. Um, I mean, I think that like um, Anywhere But Here was probably the first one that I really kind of latched onto. Um they're just, they're never going to blow me away with heaviness, I think, again. I don't even know if they're still active, if I'm being honest. But uh, I really thought, like Joe said, this is one of the, this is the record that they should have put out in 2005 instead of Say Hello to Sunshine. They, they had to have, should have worked their way up to that. Um, easy for me to say in 2021, here's what you guys should have done. Here's where you messed up. Uh, I don't think they messed up at all. I think this is a rock solid release. I don't love it as much as Say Hello to Sunshine, but I also like don't love ice cream as much as I love Say Hello to Sunshine, right? So um, it's just one of those. It's just one of those things. Um, I like kind of the more subdued approach that they have here. There's a little bit of screaminess, a little bit of that Finch action that everybody likes, uh, but uh, at the same time, a lot of their defining elements are stripped away. You know, I think Joe said in the first album that they're just a rock band that's good at making really good rock songs. And all the other stuff was there too. In this one, this is more like they are stripped down to being the rock band, and it still works because when you can write good, when you're a good songwriter, you can you can continue to write good songs. That's wow. Water is wet. That's what I just said. <laughs> Water is wet. Haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> the floor is indeed made of floor. So this album, I had not listened to it prior to this week, and I was a little surprised. But at the same time, I tried to put myself in the shoes of that fan who has been waiting for the new Finch album. And I don't think that fan is disappointed in this. I think it's very clearly not released in the early 2000s, and that is a perk. It sounds right. like the band got back together, wrote songs, and put out a new Finch album. No matter how much I want it to be what it is to burn again, it doesn't have to be because that album already exists. I can go listen to it. So now we're just writing cool rock songs 
We're still doing some of our twangy guitar tricks, but generally speaking, it's controlled. And when you listen to the delivery of this band over the discography, it is controlled. Even when it's being chaotic, it's not being chaotic for the sake of being chaotic. There is a reason why the band does what they do at any given time. So now we have The Descent. If the first album is the build-up and Say Hello to Sunshine is the pinnacle of chaos and insanity, now we're on our way down. Now it's just the rock. It's just the songs. It really is a good ending where the band doesn't even totally let up. They're still there. It's still Finch. It's just a new face for Finch. And it looks like they have their original drummer back on this one. So that's some of that groove that might have been missing on Say Hello to Sunshine, even though I love that album. This one might be closer to the original product than what we're hearing because it's not manipulated as much as that first album was. Yeah, it's it's really, really stripped down, which normally we say is a bad thing. But in this case, not I think always. it really works. I think the instrumentation shines really, really, really shines through on this record. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's just kind of all we got from Finch. It's not entirely true. I mean, we got um, promises of a new album uh, several times. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, the band the band has a, a bit of a rocky history, which I don't know personally and can't speak to. Uh, but I do think that um, it's just kind of one of those. It's just kind of one of those bands that had a lot of potential and for some reason just just couldn't latch on the way that I think a lot of other bands latch on to the mainstream. Um, I think they cared a little bit too much about their music to water it down. And they're just a band that we didn't deserve, you know, because they're willing to do, they're willing to do the right thing musically when a lot of bands aren't They're They're, they're okay with jumping into the formula and that being it. Um, they did release a acoustic album. I'm not going to throw the cover of it up here, but, uh, it's an acoustic album that basically is just, uh, Finch songs played acoustically, you know, uh, from their whole back catalog. Definitely inter interesting, definitely worth checking out. Uh, but as far as getting new material, you're not getting new material. And uh, I think the band was attempting to put out an album um, around the release or after the release of this one. But the only thing that I think they managed to actually get out was the uh, What It Is to Burn anniversary live show on DVD, which is uh, really, really, really cool. CD and DVD, you can listen to the live version. Um, I really, really like the show and um, just makes me kind of ache a little bit that like, oh, man, we should be like we should be like into the eighth Finch album by now. Uh, but unfortunately, there just wasn't anything. I don't know. I don't know the entire story. We could probably talk for another 40 minutes about why they broke up or, or why there were so many multiple attempts. But to be honest with you, I just don't know all those facts. So uh, I'm not going to speak to them. Final thoughts on Finch. Dan. Finch is one of the best bands from this time period, especially like 2002, 2005 era. Um, you know, I, they came back uh, in 2014 for a bit. Didn't latch on again then. But uh, I can tell you that they are absolutely to take a, a line out of uh, Metal Jesus's book. They are a hidden gem uh, of, of these types of bands. And um, I think that you should definitely check out Finch if you're looking for something that scratches that itch but you're looking for something that might be a little bit different, something that might have a little bit more meaning behind just nostalgia. I think Finch is one of the best bands you haven't heard today. 
And if you have, hopefully you've heard all of their music because they really do not fail. I'm not going to say they're the greatest band of all time. I'm not going to say they are below the line of what is enjoyable or what it is to burn. I will say that the band put out three solid rock records that lean enough into the hardcore and the popular music of the time that you'll find something there to appreciate if, like me, you could not stand the emo takeover that happened in the early 2000s. So on a different day, Dan might call Finch a gateway band, but today they are just a solid rock band that you need to listen to because three albums of near perfection, that's not an accident. That is an underappreciated band that you need to be listening to today. Dan, what's your album of the week? Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that my... I'm kidding. I won't, I won't pick the Crimson Corridor again. Instead, I'm going to pick Pyrrhic Victory by Zayo because I've been listening to that little five-song EP. Yes, it's true. I do listen to EPs sometimes. For me, it's White Pony by the Deftones. Interesting thing about that. Uh, I just saw uh, when I was in a record store today, I was actually at the record space uh, owned by Don Bastard. And uh, he, uh, he's got a whole bunch of copies of the White Pony, Black Pony... Or it's like black. I don't know what it's called exactly. It's a it's a white pony uh, box set that has like a whole bunch of remixes of all the songs on it as well. Really cool. I could not afford it. Take us out, DFT. If you have been watching this podcast on YouTube or listening to it on your favorite podcasting app, uh, and you've ever wondered how you can reach out to us, maybe give us band suggestions, tell us how we're doing, tell us what we're doing right, tell us what we're doing wrong. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can obviously follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can tweet at us uh, at discuss metal. Uh, you can join it. You can also find us on Instagram at discuss metal or me on Instagram at discuss metal Dan. Uh, you can send us an email at Dan and Joe show at gmail.com. And uh, I mean, there, there's just so many different ways you can reach out to us. You can you can join our Discord server. That thing's been pumping lately uh, to the point where, again, I had to turn notifications off again because now we're talking about movies and video games and all kinds of things in there in addition to music. So there'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you to our Discord server. And uh, if you want to get some sweet discography discussion merch, there's also a link to our Teespring store. Uh, awesome discography discussion. Yeah, I can't even say the name of my own podcast. Uh, there's discography discussion, printed t-shirts, socks, cell phone cases, all made on demand. Uh, and our logo is awesome on those black t-shirts. We will have a new logo soon. So if you want to get on the train for having the old one, uh, make sure you get that while we still offer it. And on that note, this has been episode 226 of discography discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. Hey, Joe, can I have some money? One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we will see you next week. <laughs>